Hello, and welcome to episode 122 of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson. Uh, we've got uh, basically three segments for you this week. Uh, kicking the show off, we go through games we've been playing, and then after that we do some listener mail, and that's with me, Neil, Zach, and Alex. And after those two segments, we have a little segment all about Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze with Don Koopman and Andy Gergen. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a segment with some listener mail and with some games we've been playing. Uh, today, I'm joined by Zach Miller. The wrong kid died. <laughs> I don't know what that's a reference to. What is that a reference to? Scott, just go fucking watch Walk Hard. Yeah. Close the podcast. Shut it down. Go watch <laughs> Walk Hard and come back. So good. Um, Alex Coffey. Don't worry, I didn't understand the reference either. Good. And then uh, you already heard him, Neil Ronahan. And and you never paid for drugs. <laughs> More didgeridoos. A thousand didgeridoos. <laughs> We are going to be talking about games we've been playing, and then we're going to do some listener mail. Uh, we're going to do an inverse of how we did it last time. We'll save the mail for last. Um, where's that? Yeah, I think that's how we did it last time. Yeah, who cares? First off, uh, go 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 orange. I'm going to say that. Wait, what? Been following the uh, the Syracuse college basketball game. They won it on a on a fucking last second three. Uh, they are still wow. undefeated. Go Cuse. <laughs> Moving well, there on. <laughs> Um, yeah, come to Connectivity for all your sports updates. Uh, three days late. Um, so, let's talk about games we've been playing. Why don't we start with, well, let, you know, let's start with Zach, because Zach's hey. interesting to, to talk about. It's not really quite a, a game, if you will. I got a game, a too. Game. Oh, okay. Well, go ahead. Oh, yeah, you did, you did compare it with a game. A really terrible game. But terrible go ahead. game. Uh, so I, uh, have Can been... we not talk about Bioshock Infinite, for the love of God? Let me just say it's it's a much more tolerable game when you're playing it on easy. That's all I'll say. I just I just want to ask a question, Zach. Go We've ahead. talked about this game at great length. We did. Why the fuck are you playing it again? I have no idea. Like, what's wrong with you? I think Wait, it's I, again. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I think I think what it was was I was thinking back to like the first hour where it's awesome. Yeah, and that I really like Elizabeth's character. So I was like, maybe if I play this on easy, I won't hate it. And I played Just it on watch, easy. Just watch some YouTube videos. I know. Man. I played it on easy, and it was actually much better. Like, I didn't die. Yeah. So it was a much better game, and you get all the lockpicks you could possibly need. You always have 30, and it's <laughs> like, a, it's a whole different game. Like, I got trophies yeah. this time around, so it was more enjoyable. <laughs> but enough, enough about Bioshock Infinite, which is, even at its most tolerable, a bad game. Is it worth yeah. a PS Plus play? Yeah, why not? Okay. Get it out of your system. I, I mean, I, I just love how there's that there's that one connectivity segment from when the game came out where Scott and I are super positive on the first hour of it. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. And, and then it's never mentioned again because we didn't want to talk about it. Right. Nope. And let's move on. Let's move on. So I downloaded Pokemon Bank and Poke Transporter. Did you guys? I, I downloaded it. I have not touched it. Okay, Poke Transporter. I just want my Celebi. Poke Transporter is a nightmare to use. Yep. Um, because here's how it works. You open it up, and it says you, you have to have black or white or black or white 2 in your system. And you open up Poke Transporter. It says, 
do you want to transfer the entire contents of box one from your PC into the Poke the Pokemon Bank? And you can say, well, no, because I didn't put anybody in there who I want transported. And then it says, then we're closing the app. <laughs> wow. So Holy shit. then you go into black, white, or black and white too, and you move everybody in that box you want to, and then you reopen Pokemon Transporter, and it, you press yes, and they all import, and then it closes the app because that's the only box you can transport over. <laughs> so what you have to do, if you're transporting over from, like, Heart Gold and Soul Silver, which I was doing, it was a nightmare because you have to go through that stupid little catching mini game in black and white Aww. to get your heart gold Pokemon over. And then you have to arrange your boxes in black. It took forever. It just doesn't seem worth it. Not, well, I mean, it is if you're a fanatic like me, but um, yeah. I will say that the Pokemon bank is actually pretty nice. Because that's where you can just store them in you the cloud. Store them in the infinite power of the cloud. And Are you going to drop the monthly uh, monthly fee it's for that? It's yearly five. Oh, oh yearly. shit, okay. yeah, five bucks a year, I'll do that in a heartbeat. <laughs> Especially because, I mean, supposedly it's going to future-proof your Pokemon, right? That's the idea. That's the hope, I guess. The hope, I, I guess. I, I haven't yeah. paid enough attention. We're actually, we will have a review of this uh, by by th friend of the show, uh, Donald Mick. Um, I wrote stupid impressions on the things, and nobody ever edited them or anything. Well, uh, you should bump that, Zach. Well, fine, Neil. Just give it a score. Call it a review. I, yeah, I don't can, want to review can... it because it's an app. Well, well, Donald Mick like, reviewed it. It's like re it's like reviewing <laughs> the Pokemon, Pokedex app or whatever. Anyway, I think we did that too. Yeah, maybe we did. <laughs> the uh, but the Pokemon Bank is pretty nice, and and it let me get back into Pokemon X and Y because there was a bunch of stuff I hadn't done. I hadn't bothered trying to catch Mewtwo or Zygarde because um, my team I didn't even want to bother with it. So. I pulled Pokemon. I like transported everybody from Heart Gold. How long and did it black. take you? Like four days. It took days. You just came up with a grizzled beard, being like, "I did it." <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. And then I put Heart Gold back on the shelf, and I'm never touching it again. And same with black. <laughs> then you burned it. Then I burned it. And then you're like, "I think I'm going to play Bioshock Infinite now." Exactly. I hate myself. <laughs> um. Uh, so yeah, so I last night I went and I uh, caught Zygarde with a Dusk Ball. Took no effort at all. I just I just took my super powerful Palkia, who I trained in Heart Golden Soul Silver, and hit him with like two slashes, and he went down, man. And uh, he was down to like 10 HP. I didn't even have to put a status effect on him. He went in Dusk Ball, no problem at all. And then I used a Master Ball on the Mewtwo. I was hoping not to catch the Mewtwo because I already had two Mewtwos uh, from the bank. Uh, but you have to catch the Mewtwo to get the Mewtwo Knight. Mewtwo Knight. Uh, okay. Uh, and his X form looks really stupid. I mean, his <laughs> Y form looks stupid too, but his X form just looks stupid. That's the one where he turns into the fighting monster, right? Yeah, he turns into like the Conkledurr. But Mewtwo, well, no, he turns into Machoke. Yeah, yeah, he does kind of turn into Machoke. Yeah, I thought that like the only I like the the Charizard uh, Mega Evolution. Yeah, uh, I don't the, the one in X. I, I have to. Cool. Uh, I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to get that because you can only get the. In my game, I picked Blastoise, so I have Blastoise tonight. 
but I think the guy in the like Paris City rock Lumios. shop is yeah, Lumios. he sells them. I think uh, he only sells. Oh, does he sell all of them? I, he's only I offering so. me Venusite, Venusorite, for well, five hundred thousand dollars. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I, I feel like uh, maybe I should actually turn Pokemon X on. Uh, I beat it, and then yeah. never turned it on to do any of the post game. Like, saw the credits, saved, was done. In all fairness, there's not much to do. No, there's not much to do. I mean, there's there's fill up your Pokemon, uh, uh, what's that called, Alex, the, with your friends, the friend safari. Um, oh, yeah, no, I think that is what it's called. And then you have you have to go and find all, you have to upgrade your master ring, or whatever it's called. And then you can go search through dungeons between the hours of 8 and 9 p.m., to find megastones. No, that's real. I don't know why they did that. Uh, and then you can catch the legendaries. I'm not bothering with Articuno anymore because I've got like two of them. Yeah, I, I heard about how you deal with the legendary birds, and that doesn't seem worth it. Where it's like, go here, it's going to run away, and then yeah. go to this other place, like it's going to run away. Just like the original game. Yeah. So, I really like Pokemon. I have a problem. Yeah. I like the bank. I hate the transporter, but I love the bank. Yeah, maybe I'll use that. I have a feeling I probably won't because I don't really care. I might use the bank, I guess, and that might be more... I don't think I'm going to bother bringing anything from the past. I might just mm. have my stuff from X and Y yeah. and whatever the next one comes out and move it around. The fact that I have so many Pokemon now in my decks makes me think I might be able to, with the help of the global trading system, get them all again. I haven't gotten them all since... Um, Heart Gold. In Heart Gold, if you you may remember, I had a living Pokedex in Heart Gold. Oh, I do remember. I wonder mm. I wonder how uh, how pale thinks of this. Because I know he was always about the living decks. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. I know Donald Mick just got uh he, he got his little in game certificate saying he'd actually caught them all, so I know it's it can't be that hard. <laughs> Not that I'm saying what? Donald Mick didn't put a lot of effort into it, but it's possible to do. I mean he wrote the review for us, so uh, yeah. <laughs> I think if you transfer all the Pokemon over, and you've been doing it for a lot of years, at a certain point, getting to X and Y, all you'll need to catch is like seventy more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I th- and I think that I think that he has done that with all the other games up to this point. Yeah, I'm just I'm just missing a bunch of legendaries from Black and White, all those like Bull and Tornados and the other. Oh uh, yeah. You know. you know what? There are some really good. Uh, Pokemon in black and white. It's I, I guess since this is Pokemon Bank slash X and Y talk, I think that's why it's one of the biggest things that bummed me out about X and what, Y. What like the ice cream like, cone? Like black no and white. That was, that was was that genius. And then X and Y has a key. I mean, to be fair, the the sword, <laughs> the ghost sword was pretty fucking awesome. The ghost sword <laughs> that can be held by another Pokemon if you think about it. Well, I mean, but he's not because he's a it's fucking like, badass ghost sword. It's like Megatron the sword. I, I really like the ghost sword. I do too. He's actually in my uh, in my but, primary like, team. Kink Link or whatever. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, a keychain. What does it do? Oh uh, yeah, it's steel type. I think like steel like fairy. ghost. Oh, steel fairy. <laughs> I, I still think that those trash bags are the worst ones ever. <laughs> uh, I, I think their shittiness is endearing. I think Dunsparce <laughs> is pretty dumb. Dunsparce is remembered because it has the potential for an He's amazing cute. normal dragon evolution. <laughs> Later on, yeah. In like or mega games. evolution, because no one old is going to get evolved anymore. 
Oh, by the way, I got I got quite a few of my uh, bank Pokemon with their Mega Stones, and Mega Gengar looks stupid, and Mega um, Mega Absol looks stupid, and uh, the only cool one who looks really cool is Obama Snow that I've seen so far. Uh, he's got a pretty cool Mega Evolution. I really want Tyranitar Knight because he's my favorite Pokemon anyway. So, have you uh, have you gotten Mega Aerodactyl yet? He's my favorite yeah, Mega Evolution. Yeah. He's just he's a cool. rock dragon. I just, and he's, I just he's got like, like a beard too, and he's got like a spear of rock sticking out of his back. It just so it looks so weird. I love it. What did you think <laughs> of Scott by letting Zach, Zach start? Oh yeah, right. <laughs> I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> yeah, me and Alex should have had this talk ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, Zach. Scott will talk about Bravely Default, and you will go to sleep. Oh. Okay. <laughs> oh, I, I, I won't be able to talk about Bravely Default anywhere near as long as you've just talked about Pokemon, I don't think. Oh, really? Um, well, all right. I could keep going. I mean, you know. <laughs> well, no, let, let's jump to me real quick because I'm going to let these two do their, like, Vita love fest that they have. Um, <laughs> Vita. So, yeah, I've been play, playing Bravely Default. It came out Friday last week, and I really enjoy it. I've played about five hours so far, probably. Did you get the um, spec, Ed? What? Did you get the spec, Ed? The spec what the ed? fuck are you talking the about? Special edition? Oh, uh, collector's like edition. edition, limited edition. I don't know what it's called. Yeah. No, I was going to maybe do that, but I would have had to have ordered it online, and I just uh, wanted to play this weekend. I didn't want to wait for it. I so. think if the demo was good, I probably would have tried to find the the collector's edition. Yeah, me too. But it wasn't. No, and then, it wasn't. Yeah. Um. So yeah, plus the collector's edition. I mean, there's what like a music CD, an art book. None of that really, and like a deck of cards. None There's of that some really AR works. stuff. I know, you can but none find of that the really, AR cards online. None really? of that really interests <laughs> me. Um, That's true. So, yeah, but it's great. It, it kind of reminds me of Xenoblade Chronicles, where it's this like kind of just awesome breath of fresh air uh, in the, the JRPG genre. Um, I think what I like most about it, at least at least immediately in the first five hours I played, is just how quickly everything moves along. I mean, right from the get-go, you're kind of told where you need to be going, and every time you kind of complete a uh, a story quest, you're right on to the next one. There's never really any uh, any downtime. You're constantly getting new jobs and being able to, to kind of switch your characters between the jobs and, and kind of mix and match and see what works for you. Um, and within probably the first three hours of the game, you have all four of your main characters. So it, it just moves at a very brisk pace, um, which I'm enjoying quite a bit. So. That job, Scott. That job. That job system is. I. I'm not kidding. The only thing stopping me from picking the game up. Because I. Felt Why? Why the, is that a deterrent? Because in the demo, I felt like I was playing it wrong. Like no matter what is the ideal combination of jobs, that was driving me absolutely crazy. There's so many. Well, I think to you choose just, from. Zach. Here's what I've learned. Just forget the demo. Get the game. Oh well. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the jobs are still there. Yeah, but you don't. It's like you have them all right from the start unlocked. You. You. Unlock oh. one each time you each each time you defeat a boss, you get a new job. Oh, so you have plenty of time to just sort of use them as you get them, and then see and like if you like them or not. Not to mention, oh. as you as you level up in a job, you know your abilities level up with that job. But then when you switch jobs, you can still equip skills, uh, one skill set from another job. So say you mm. use the black mage for a while, and you've got a lot of powerful spells, and you're liking that, but then you want to switch to some other type of maybe magic user, or maybe even something entirely different, like a, a warrior character or something, you can still equip your black magic. 
um, and use that too. So you can you can mix and match a little bit with the jobs too. So, but the fact that you get them kind of given to you one at a time um, gives you the opportunity to to tinker around with them and see if it's something you like and see how it how it fares in battle. So oh. yeah, so it's not as overwhelming as is just jumping into the demo and having a bunch to choose from and not knowing what's what's good and what isn't. So. Hmm. Well, now you've got me uh, kind of intrigued. Yeah, yeah. No, don't let that don't let that turn you away from it at all. Um, and then the like the social aspects are really kind of are interesting. I'm still getting trying to get the hang of them. Um, so everyone on your 3D uh, 3DS friends list who's playing the game, you can see their like like where their uh, where their characters are at. And I don't know if you upload just one character or if it's every character in your party. I'm not sure, but then you um you can like combine your character with their character and then you gain uh like skills that you maybe you haven't gotten yet. So oh. uh, for instance, I, I can't remember I can't remember who exactly it was, but one of my three DS friends who's a connectivity listener, uh had a um uh what barbarian maybe? Is that what the I'm not sure, but whatever character I whatever yeah, whatever class I made my uh, my main character uh, this guy had it a, a few levels ahead of me, so he had skills I didn't have yet, but I could link my character to his, and then I had access to the skills, which was awesome for getting through some, like, harder boss fights and stuff, so there's, like, a sort of incentive to be playing along with your, with your friends and, and linking your characters to theirs, so the game even reminds you of that every time you turn it on, that, like, it's best to play with that, uh, social aspect in mind, so it's kind of, a, it's a weird mechanic, but I like it, and it works pretty well, actually. So yeah, no, it's it's a great game. I any RPG fan should be playing it. That's pretty much all I have to say about it right now. So I think in a couple of weeks we'll do like a a, a bigger segment talking yeah, no, a little uh, bit more about it, and then probably a little bit more spoiler. Danny Bivens has played the hell out of it. I've heard yeah. that. If he's on your friends list, you've got gold. Huh. Yeah, absolutely. Heck, I might get it now. <laughs> you should. Yeah. I I I plan to. Are we are we going in on that stupid Catherine deal, Neil? I mean, if you get it, I, I stand by what I said. Uh, has anyone on this podcast played Catherine? I played it and loved it. Okay, but you love Pushmo, and you said I, it's like Pushmo. It's better it's than like Pushmo. Q-Bert. It's like Cubert. Yeah, what? it's it's like Cubert and Pushmo kind oh, of. Cubert with is like a awesome. weird story. It's uh, it's it's the story's done by the Persona team, so it has a certain pedigree to it. Hmm. I think really you would weird. like it, Zach. I don't. I don't know if you'd love it. I feel like. I mean, if you're playing Bioshock Infinite again, go this game. <laughs> yeah, I clearly don't have anything better to play. <laughs> it's. I'm not kidding. It's. It's Bioshock Infinite, and I'm replaying Picross 3D. So. Well, that's a genius decision <laughs> is, because that's yeah. the best game on DS. Yeah. So why don't you guys now uh, go on about your your Vine or your uh, Vita games? I guess I just want to say in that over the past month. Um, I've really only been playing Vita. Like, uh, well, I have been playing my, my, my new PS4, uh, but especially for the past week, partially because I'm uh, reviewing stuff over at goingsony.com. That kind of helps. Uh, but even still, there's just a ton of stuff on Vita that I didn't really play last year, and then a ton of new stuff right now. Um, and there's, I mean, oodles of good stuff. If you follow me on Twitter, you've heard me talk about how much I love them or read any of my reviews, and you can hear that too. But I'm going to talk about a game that came out this week that might have flown in under the radar for some people, and that's uh, TXK. It's by Llamasoft, uh, the dudes who did Tempest 2000 on the Atari Jaguar, and Tempest 3000 on the Nuon. 
So likely you've never played either of those games before. No. Um, however, Scott and I actually played Tempest 2000 at uh, PAX East last year. Um, and it's really trippy, but super dated. Mm-hmm. Um, and looks like, you know, really dirty. And these games are all about vector graphics, just like the old arcade game, Tempest. But it's kind of like if you took Tempest and one made a full game about it and two, like, dropped acid, uh, <laughs> like, did some shrooms, um, like, smoked a pound of weed. Like, it's basically if you <laughs> you took a lot of drugs and played some Tempest, this is what might come out. Um, because how it works is you basically just control... I mean, if you remember Tempest, uh, you know, it's vector graphics, and there's kind of like this grid. They refer to it as a web in the game. And you move along this, and then there's enemies, and it kind of like, uh, I guess it goes down. Um, just, like, look up Tempest right now if you don't know what it is. It's really weird to explain. Um, and then uh, you'll have, like, you know, enemies come up on that, and you need to shoot them. Um, and then as you shoot them, you can get power-ups. There's, like, you know, you, know, you can get extra life. Uh, you can have the ability to jump, which is helpful to kind of avoid enemies, because once they get off to the top thing that you're going around on, then they can kill you. Um, they can also, like, shoot stuff at you, and there's a lot of crazy enemies that show up later on. Um, you have a smart bomb that you can use one per level. Um, and then you'll get an AI droid uh, at a certain point if you collect the power-ups, and that's helpful because, you know, then you have some guys getting your back, where if you were to get attacked by an enemy, he can save you, stuff like that. Um, but it's really, it's challenging, but it's uh, very forgiving. Uh, there's 100 levels in it, but it has this thing called Restart Best, where after you beat a level, like let's say you beat a level with, uh, with one life, and you have a good score, then it'll save that. If you go and restart and try that level again, you'll have one life, and start with the score that you had at the beginning of that level. Um, or, like, you could go back and, like, you know, go from the start at that level, and let's say you get back there and you go into that level and you've got four lives. Then if you beat that level then you and still retain the lives, then you would have a new restart best of having four lives, being able to stay with the same score that you came into, your best score that you came into that level with. It's just a really nice mechanic because... You can go through, uh, like, a specific mode and just go through all 100 levels right in a row, which uh, is really hard. Um, or you can do uh, what people who are shitty at those games are, uh, mainly me. Um, you can go through that way, and it, you know, it lets you explore the game more, and it's a lot friendlier, but there's still that really hardcore mode if you want it. Um, and just some of the way that the levels go, they fuck with your perspective a lot. Um, and... Lots of, like, there's, like, weird, like, bowl enemies that make weird noises. There's a really cool techno soundtrack. Um, it's an awesome game. Now, you say there's a bot that helps you out. Yeah. It's does, like this, this, does this bot give you health, ammo, and salts when no, you're running no. low? No. No. It's, uh, it'll shoot other enemies. Okay. Um, That's more and useful, And if you actually. were to get, like, captured by an enemy, then it can save you. Oh. From death. That's more more useful. Yeah. And you can get a trophy if, like, you're just about dead and it saves you. Done. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's super cool. Any, any, does that make sense? Sure. What I said? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds interesting. Yeah. Also, if you haven't played Velocity Ultra, play that. Uh, <laughs> just, just don't think. Just buy that game. 
Yeah, I looked at screenshots and I was like, no, I don't think so. Zach, just buy the game. God damn it. Go Catherine, buy that. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to prematurely hate on Catherine, a game I've never played, and just buy Velocity Ultra. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, Alex, what have you played? (laughs) Oh! I, uh... I, I got one game to talk about this week, and uh, I guess to talk about it, I first need to talk a little bit about Assassin's Creed 4. Uh, Assassin's Creed 4 is an amazing game, and anyone with a Wii U should buy it. It is wonderful. But you don't get any of the DLC that you're about to talk about. Right, well, we'll talk about that soon. Uh, Assassin's Creed 4, on its own, is an amazing game that uh, brings back a lot of memories of why I love Red Dead Redemption. It improves the Assassin's Creed formula a lot by making the combat a lot tighter. The uh, the mechanics are a lot tighter. The story is really good, partially because it cuts out a lot of the modern day shit. Uh, it has some amazing characterizations of pirates like Black Bart and Blackbeard. Uh, it it's just so fun to explore too. Like especially uh, getting into ship combat with naval vessels. And then uh, exploring these islands a la Wind Waker. It, it's a really, really wonderful game. I dropped like 30 hours, and half of those 30 hours were done over one play session from 9 in the morning to 6 a.m. the next day. Holy wow. it, it's one of those really, really great games. Can I be in college again? <laughs> <laughs> so because of how much I love Assassin's Creed 4, I bought the single-player DLC, Freedom Cry, Starring Adewale, who is your quartermaster, a.k.a. first mate, from the uh, the original Assassin's Creed. Uh, it takes place about 10-15 years after. And he is an ex-slave, so what he's doing over the course of this like five-hour DLC is he's joining the Maroons, and he is basically fighting for the liberation of slaves in the Port-au-Prince area. And to talk about what I think of this DLC... I need to treat it from two different perspectives. The first perspective is the game, and the second perspective is the uh, the way it handles the very sensitive issue of slavery. The, so as for the game by itself, it's not that good. I mean, it's it's good to be back in Assassin's <laughs> Creed 4. It's, it's, like, the mechanics are still there. The mechanics are still good. But the problem with this DLC is that even though there are a couple of really good missions... The other eight are mostly, like, following people and hiding in bushes. Those are the worst Assassin's Creed missions. The worst Assassin's Creed missions. And, like, for some reason, those aren't going anywhere. Uh, Thankfully, the game offers a rating system where you can, like, physically rate each mission after you beat it. And I I just have to keep giving those one star. uh, (laughs) Those missions are a load of shit. Uh, But it's fine. It has some really good missions. It's like, it is $10 of game. But you can tell it wasn't made with as much focus and care as Assassin's Creed 4. As for the slavery part, I guess I should start off by saying, obviously, I am not the foremost authority on slavery, uh, especially in any circumstance. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm a white <laughs> well, there, male. There, there were those three years male. where you were in a... I don't, know. I don't even know what to say. I'm I mean, look, I saw, I saw Roots, okay? I saw Roots... And I also saw Django. So what I about think, Twelve Years a Slave? I think you I'm saw pretty that. covered. I didn't. See I think that. they're they're the most uh, they're the most knowledgeable person about it. Yeah. They saw Twelve Years a Slave, right? That's how it works. <laughs> I don't. So, go to, I don't go to movies to be depressed, Neil. <laughs> so one reason why I bought this is because Assassin's Creed. Uh, it generally stars badass protagonists, and because it covers slavery as a topic, I was hoping 
for uh, Django Unchained. In fact, if you ask me what my dream game on the Civil War would be, even though this isn't the Civil War, it would be a Django Unchained-style badass action game where you're a slave killing uh, racists with the sensibilities and the uh, the sensitivity that comes with a drama like Roots. Like I you, think, you know, I didn't know I wanted that until you just said that. <laughs> I think I think there's room for an amazing game like that because like Roots is one of the best like mini series ever, and it covers that issue with the utmost amount of respect. And Django Unchained is badass. So that, so I wanted those two things. And this Roots game, has Jordy LaForge. It does. So, the way it handles slaves in this game is, as you might expect, reasonably uh, decent. Like, it's Assassin's Creed. It's been dealing with history a long time. It knows how to be sensitive. It knows how to be kind of honest without uh, shouting some racial epithets like was probably going down during that time period. Uh, but it does it in the safest way possible. So... There's not many scenes that actually shows the uh, the hardships of being a slave. There's not many scenes that actually show slaves uh, enduring racism short of the fact that they are slaves. Like, the only time, there's only one time in the entire game where a white person uh, makes the racist claim that slaves aren't people. And that's, like, as you're about to kill him, so it's obviously to just fuel that. Hmm. So it's an extremely safe depiction of slavery. That is uh, fairly kind. Like, no one's really going to get offended by it. Ain't nobody but, getting whipped or anything? None of that? It's, yes, but, like, it's very little and very select. Like, there's one mission where, uh, I guess, minor, minor spoilers, if anyone wants to skip ahead, where you uh, you do try to save a slave ship towards the end of the DLC, and it goes haywire, it sinks because the governor's ship was an asshole, and it decided that if you're trying to liberate them, they'll just sink the ship altogether. And as it's sinking it, there is this really amazing cinematic scene where you're trying to slave, save as many slaves as possible. Uh, and then a lot of them die, and you have to deal with the fact that you can't save them all, and the, uh, the brutality a lot of these people who have never actually lived have to go through. There is that one amazing scene. But there is this one other thing I want to talk about that the game does that bothered me just a little bit. It, uh, I guess you gotta liberate plantations, uh, and you gotta liberate, like, uh, slave auctions and stuff. That's one of the mechanics. And as you, uh, do this, you get, uh, I guess, not points, but you rack up a certain number of slaves liberated. You get respect. And as you liberate slaves, as you liberate slaves, as the number gets higher, you unlock more things like better weapons or more crew members. So what the game turns into is you're trying to unlock so many slaves and you're trying to uh, to improve the slave number that slaves actually becomes a currency in this game that is trying to talk about how uh, how awful slavery is. So that part made me just a little bit uncomfortable. And then the other thing that bothers me is that I understand that because it's a video game, you have to keep refilling plantations uh, because... There has to be some way to get more slaves. But one thing that bothers me is just how hopeless the situation is. Because once <laughs> you save a plantation, 20 minutes later, another group of slaves is just going to come in. And, like, it feels like nothing you do amounts to anything. And once you unlock the uh, the final uh, slave bonus, which is multiplayer points that you can spend on bullshit, uh, there's no <laughs> more reason to I liberate just, slaves. I just, I just think the phrase slave bonus is awesome. <laughs> And should be in every game going forward. 
that that is it gives you bonus points on slaves. Slave bonus. Is. So once once you unlock everything in this game, once you uh once you save like five hundred slaves and seventy resistant slave fighters, there's no reason to free slaves. So even though a couple times, uh the moral side of me did try to stop some of those random Red Dead Redemption style events where a slave is being chased or punished. It's hard to care as much when you know that as soon as you save a slave, you're going to get nothing for it. Look, guys, so, like, I can only save so many of you. So even though it tries to take a really safe approach on slavery, slaves become a currency, and you stop caring about saving the slaves once you unlock all the slave bonuses. That's pretty, like, <laughs> fucked up. So, some irony there, I suppose. It's like, if you want more Assassin's Creed 4... It's alright, it's five hours, it's reasonably ten dollars worth of content, even though it's not as good as the main game. Wow, five dollars? Five hours of content? Uh, ten dollars. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's You can do more, because it's Assassin's Creed, there's stuff to unlock. Yeah. But, uh, strangely fucked up, too. Yeah, sounds <laughs> like it. You know, if, I, I'm, I'm gonna make a dated joke here. If Infinity Ward had been making this game, uh, you would have had a scenario where you were the slave owner, and you had to whip and you would pretend to be a slave, and you couldn't speak Russian. Yeah, or something. yeah, yeah. And you were whipping the slaves or something. Um. All right. Well, let's transition to some listener mail. I think we've done all the uh, the games we've been playing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I want to talk more about these slave bonuses. <laughs> well, we will do a slave bonus bonus segment. <laughs> um, a slave bonus segment. <laughs> yeah. After the end of the show, um, we won't do that. So we've got a good chunk of listener mail here. Um, I will just kick things off. Uh, do, 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 do. This one is from Admin. Ad, Adman? Admin? I think it's just Admin. I never know. I always... I don't understand. Admin. That one. It's like how uh, Kentucky Tim eluded us for so long. Oh, Kentucky Tim. That was, I hi, love Tim. Kentucky Tim. I miss Kentucky Tim. If you're out there, Kentucky Tim, say hi in the comments. Um, he says, uh, Iwata spoke about acquiring more companies and licensing out properties. Do you think we'll see Mario and Friends in mediums outside of video games, like a Disney-produced Mario movie or some badass Zelda comics? Why doesn't Wonderful One have a TV show yet? What companies do you think Nintendo will buy? Do you think they'll snatch up the alien Capcom or maybe finally merge with Sega? Or do you think we'll see them buy smaller companies with less IP and more talent? This last part is a bit of unrelated fantasy, but how awesome would a Keyblade-wielding, paint-splashing Mickey Mouse be in Super Smash Bros.? Maybe they could get the rights if Disney makes a Mario movie? Oh lord! I no. really want more epic, Mickey. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, I I definitely think there's room for them to do this. I think if they're gonna do this, it's not yet. And also, how fucking awful would it be if they really did acquire Sega and Atlas is just ruined by Sega. being stuck on one platform? <laughs> yeah, I guess that would maybe be uh an unforeseen con- consequence, huh? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, the fact that he he mentioned it so openly makes you think that possibly something is already in the works, or that they, they'd like to get something moving. I think it's going to be more like maybe we'll see a Mario cartoon show or something. I don't think it's going to be anything no, really no. game related. I think you're just going to see like more like random Mario and Zelda shit out in stores. And, I saw Mario's and made, GetiOs today at the yeah. grocery store. I mentioned that yeah, last I mean, week. And you do see a lot yeah. of that stuff already, but I, I just think, you know, it might be more open, like, 
maybe in Wreck-It Ralph 2 there will be more of a Nintendo presence, yeah. but I don't think it's going to be anything to the scale of, like, Disney making an animated Mario movie and Mickey showing up at Smash Brothers, at least not yet. Like, I, I don't think it's going to, I think it's going to be a slow ramp up to that if that were to ever happen. I think yeah. Smash I wonder Brothers how... would actually be kind of cool. Yeah, I think he he's big enough. He's big enough of yeah. a third-party character to uh, to warrant it. And, I mean, even though they're trying to bury the uh, Epic Mickey franchise. Yeah, like that shit ain't coming back. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really think uh, an Epic Mickey, Mickey Mouse representation would be really damn cool, if you're going to do it at all. Yeah, I mean, it would ha- anything Epic Mickey related, we will never see again until... Someone comes along and brings it back in a video game. Like ten years later, about about Oswald. <laughs> it will be Warren Specter. Warren yeah. Specter will not uh, be involved with whatever the next episode. Yeah, Mickey I mean that's ever. one of those things with with Epic Mickey. I mean, I got to interview Warren Specter a lot about it. I think there was like a a two month span where I saw him like every other week. It seemed, <laughs> um, but I mean, it just it sucks what happened to that game. Um, yeah, I mean. Part of it was that hey, the game game wasn't as good. I know, I know, Alex, you're a little more positive on it, but I it's, think it's it was half as good as Epic Mickey One. Yeah, uh, Epic Mickey Two was, which in itself was questionable. Yeah, I think that the proof is in the pudding as far as what happened with that game, um, and it's just it's a tragedy because Warren Spector loved the shit out of that universe, and that universe was so awesome. And I wish that the games could have lived up to the promise of that world. It still had a ton of heart. Like, that's yeah. one thing oh, the did. two games show me, is that you can tell this is one man's vision, or a small group of people's, like, very specific yeah. vision that was crafted entirely out of love. And yes, the games are flawed, yes, they play, like, N64 platformers, but, like, the amount of love that goes into that game makes me overlook anything that could be described as a flaw. Yeah, yeah, there, I mean, there are a lot of issues with those games, but there are also some things that are that are incredible that I don't really see games do. Yeah, um, and that's a hell of a tangent to go on when someone asked about Nintendo licensing. <laughs> but like, I mean, that's that's one of the things that like, as far as video game related stuff, if I could go back in the past and change something, it would be make Epic Mickey wanted two way better games. Yeah, if they had more attention and a little more, uh, I guess, outside development from someone who knew how to make a game just a tiny bit better. Yeah, that game. The shitty ports didn't help at all. Everything was in place for that game to live up to its potential, and you can see the potential in the game. It's just like, I, I understand why the series failed, but it's just a damn shame that it had to die in such a depressing way. Yeah. So, so Nintendo. Uh, bring back the Nintendo serial system. A Mario cartoon, uh, I wonder if it would be Super Show, because most of the Mario characters are intentionally kind of bland. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it would be a new new cartoon. Yeah, I mean, we we saw like stuff like the Kirby F Zero, Donkey Kong. Yeah. I mean, I think you have one with like I don't know, decent backing, maybe with a you know a, a good animated studio, maybe something like Disney, something like uh, you know I guess the people whoever the hell is making the the uh, Nickelodeon is uh making the new Turtle show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like get get that. someone with that solid pedigree to work on like a Zelda cartoon show, and it won't be that that cheesy shit from the late eighties. <laughs> it could be actually something decent. All right, so this one is from iMarcus, and he says, 
Uh, do you think we will get any future installments of Ninja Gaiden on Wii U? I really like the Wii U version of Razor's <laughs> Edge and was thinking with Tem- uh, Tecmo working on Hyrule Warriors, we might get some more of that series. What are your thoughts on this? No, I yeah, think it's no. more, will there be another Ninja Gaiden game, period. Yes. That's the question here. There's one coming yeah. out soon. There's oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about it. I forgot about it. I mean, I guess traditional Ninja Gaiden game. And... It's not a side story. It's a side story. Yeah. yeah. My my thought with this is... is I forgot I've about always... Yaiba. I've always thought with the the like recent Ninja Gaiden games, they've always made it a habit to like push the hardware as as hard as they can. So I don't see why they'd be working on something on PS4 and Xbox One and then want to like dumb it down for Wii U. You know what I mean? I do. I know yeah. what you mean. So I mean, and I, and I think, and I do think that the fact that the side story game isn't coming to Wii U at all is kind of a death knell for the series on Wii U. Right. I mean, I know they pushed Razor's Edge a lot on Wii U. I mean, I think, what, it's the definitive version of that game, correct? And I mean, it No, the had... definitive version was the version that came out on other systems afterwards. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there you go. I think the I think the Wii U version did incredibly poorly. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it was a launch Wii U game, yeah. and yeah. it wasn't Mario, yeah. so yeah. it didn't do well. Um, yeah, but, I mean, Razor's Edge is out on 360 and PS3, I know. At least the content that was in it might have a different name. But, yep. so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think so. Nope. <laughs> so I would be Mar- surprised. I, Marcus, sorry. Yeah, we all say no. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you do want more Ninja Gaiden, uh, you can get the original NES game on oh, Wii U. No, yeah. Yeah. Or on 3DS. On 3DS, you can get all three. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I love that series. I think I have reviewed all three games, uh, the 3DS Virtual Console versions on NWR. So if you've never played those before, go read my reviews and see if you want to try them. Mm. The Wii U version is especially good because of safe states. Same with the 3DS. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 3DS has safe states. <laughs> That's right. Okay, well, good. So either way, yeah, you, you, it'll yeah. be a much more pleasant experience than playing them uh, 30 years ago. So <laughs> uh, This is another question from another Marcus, spelt with a K instead of a C. Um, which is kind of, kind of weird. <laughs> kind of weird coincidence. Um, First, he starts uh, by talking about our, uh, well, Josh's uh, Name That Pokemon game. He says, when I first listened to Name That Pokemon, I actually said to myself, wow, this is awful. I laughed my ass off and listened to everyone in a I can't stop watching that train wreck kind of way. Might have also been the sultry yet incredibly nerdy voices of Kim and Becky speaking the words of Pokemon to seduce me to listen more. This just got uh, weird. Yeah, and then he just he just he just leaves it at that. No other comment about about uh, name that Pokemon. Uh, but I digress. My main question is this: Are all of you on the Super Smash Brothers hype train? What new Hell character yeah. stages, yeah. features, etc. Are you looking forward to in both versions? Also, what are you hoping or dreaming about for the game? First off, fuck yeah, I can't yeah. wait for Smash Brothers. Mm. Both versions, we'll get both for sure. I don't know if I'll get both. I need to see what's worth it about the 3DS one. I mean, yep. okay, yeah, maybe Bingo. maybe if like one of them turns out like shit, I won't get both. But I mean, even if it's are, the same both. game, I don't want to tow around. You know, I don't want to transfer my transfer my save between two games. So, I'll, I you know, the law of portability does not apply to fighting games for me. Yeah, I I do not need this on 3DS whatsoever. Um, if they're both coming out at, at nearly the same time, I'm gonna get the Wii version and and yep. think nothing nothing more of it. Yep. Um, just uh, the 3DS version looks fine, but I just don't see why it exists. I don't know. I don't have enough. I don't have enough time to play two Smash Brothers games. I feel like. Yeah. Um, exactly. So I'm gonna play what I imagine is the better of the two. So. It'll have some crazy connectivity bonus, like you unlock. 
Ridley in both versions if you connect them. Yeah, right. There probably will be some bullshit like that making me have to buy the 3DS one. God yeah. damn it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I'm on the hype train. Like, I mean, I've said from kind of from the start of this, as long as they fix the online, I am 100% in because I do not currently now play Smash Brothers the way I did when I loved it on yeah. GameCube. I'm yeah. not, I'm not I would 16 even... surrounded by my friends every, every day after school and every weekend, you know? To be completely honest, I think even if the online does suck, I'd still get the game and enjoy it. Oh, me too, I yeah. Probably, I would not play it nearly as much. Um, a lot of, like, if I just, like, spend a couple weeks on the game, um, if the online's crappy and I'm rocking through the single-player stuff, um, even if it's just, you know, unlocking characters by playing versus matches. Right, that's Sadly, what I did. by myself. <laughs> yep, that's what I did. Um, I'll still enjoy it, but if the, if the online community's good, then I could play this game for, for months or years. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I guess my big problem with this game is that uh, even though it's a Smash Bros. game and it's new, which is enough for some people, nothing about this game since its release, uh, since its announcement, I mean, has made me go like, wow, like this is going to be amazing. This game looks incredible. Uh, all I see is another Smash Bros. game so far, and it Wait. features the Animal Crossing guy. Hold on. So that's going to be good. Are you excited about Donkey Kong? Reasonably. Like, even, no, I, I was actually tepid towards it. Okay. I mean, we'll see. It's, it's a big we'll see on Donkey Kong. Gotcha. But that's beside the point. It's, uh, for Smash Bros., like, especially since they're toning down the, uh, the story, that like, it's not going to be as big. I'm guessing I, it's I not going to be a single characters. player thing. It's just not going to be subspace. It's going to be like the isn't melee that, single player. Isn't thing. that what everybody wanted anyway? I, everybody hated subspace, and then they fucking got pissy when Sakurai was like, "Hey, I'm not going to do that again." I I loved subspace. Like it's like guys, guys, fuck King K. Rule, fuck subspace. <laughs> let's move on. There's also like, I want a game with 50 characters in it. I want them to just keep pulling out the stops until there's no more Nintendo characters to release. And I'm, I'm guessing this roster is probably going to barely crack 40, if that. Mm. I, I don't think I'd really be that disappointed with 40 characters. I would. I, I, mean, I, I want mean, it's the kind of thing where I, I, I would always want more. I would love to have the option for DLC. Mm. Um, I feel like Sakurai might have said that, like, that's not going to happen. Um, I hope that changes. <laughs> um, I would be totally cool if they're like, okay, we got like we got like 40 now, but over the next year we're going to be releasing more as DLC. I'd totally eat that up. Oh yeah. In the uh, in the grand scheme of things, this game looks like it's going to be melee with good online and more characters, and it's fine. But oh, if that's what yeah. floats your boat, and, and, and if that's I think what's going to really excite you, there will be more surprises coming. Um, I hope so. I I think Proto they're gonna announce, they're gonna unveil uh, <laughs> Dixie tomorrow. I, Dixie yeah, Kong. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, Dixie D- or, on the direct. Have they even confirmed Diddy yet? No, I wonder. I, I don't think they did. I think I Diddy will get confirmed. Maybe Dixie will. To be completely honest, I I kind of hope Dixie Kong isn't announced. I think they'll just announce Diddy tomorrow. And well, she was also she was also planned for a uh, brawl apparently. Oh, uh, okay. Really? So I'm just there. I think it's one of those like. Uh, on, like, the data files, there's, like, a listing yeah. for someone who's, like, Dixie Kong. I, I think it'd be cool if they did Diddy plus Dixie as, like, one character. That would be cool. The entire cast of Or Mega maybe Man it's 2. something where it can switch between Diddy and Dixie and, like, Diddy and Cranky or something. Oh, like, uh, the Pokemon Trainer. Yeah. Like, yeah, Pokemon that, that, Trainer uh, and Ice Climbers put together in a weird way. Yeah, that, that, that could... I, that's what I'm gonna pull for. Um, by the time you guys hear this, uh, we'll probably know if they announced <laughs> this ridiculous character 
or yeah. Nintendo Daily, because there's a Nintendo Direct tomorrow as we're recording this, but by the time you hear this, it will be two days in the past. Yeah. So yep. laugh at us if we're wrong, or be like, hey, those guys are on to something, if we're right. Um, so let's move on to the next question. This is from NBZ, I'm, who I'm I follow on Twitter, first. and does... What's that? I'm leaving. Zach's out. Oh, okay. People Hi, Zach. Like Bioshock Hi, Infinite. Dumbass. Shut up. Love <laughs> you. Bye. Bye. Um, so he says, hey, guys, you mentioned recently that you were looking for some listener mail, so here we go. I am a competitive Pokemon player and have been for the past six or seven years since Diamond and Pearl. I love that... Uh, I love that what is such a simple game played alone has near endless depth when it comes to online play. My question for you guys is, have you ever played a game, Nintendo or non, competitively before? Uh, for those that haven't, if you were to jump into any online scene, which one would it be? Um, no, I the, I don't play like in any tournaments or anything, but the most competitive game I play is StarCraft II. Um, I still play that at least once or twice uh, a week and just do 1v1 matches online and try to get better. Um, I don't get much better, but I, I try. Um, so that's probably the only game I can think of where I've really like made it a habit to to play online uh, actively and and try to to get better uh, in a competitive uh, in a competitive way. I got really into Dive Kick for like a week. Oh yeah, and then and that community kind of dried up. I, I love Dive Kick with all my heart, but um, I'm trying to think. I feel like there was another game that I played a bunch online that I just can't think of right now. I played some Strikers Charged, uh, not that much. That was solid online. Oh, yeah. Um, I uh, feel like there was a game hmm. in some recent generation that I played a lot online. Excitebots. Played a bunch of that. Did you ever get like into Halo or anything? Sort of. Um, never competitively. I would always just kind of dig around. What I loved about Halo, and as far as I can tell, they ruined in Halo 4. Um is that with, like, I, I did it a lot with, like, Halo Free and Halo Reach, where i just get, like, three buddies over, uh, we'd play split-screen, and we'd go online, and we'd have a ball. Because it was, like, the fun of playing local multiplayer with your friends, and then playing online. Um, especially because, like, the four of us would be on the same team. We'd usually get our shit wrecked, because we weren't very good. Um, but we'd have a great time. Especially then we started playing, like, the zombie modes, too. Um... Yeah, there was there was like a sorted like two three weeks where like I had a I had a friend of mine who was super into Halo, and then uh, he was like, "Let's play some Reach," and it was the first time that I had played Reach. And then it followed up with me and another friend of mine getting cheap copies of Reach, and we actually did play online. But that was that didn't happen too often. We would only really play when we'd meet up together. Uh, what about you, Alex? Any competitive uh, gaming? So it's weird. I guess the only thing I've ever gotten competitive with is like in sixth and seventh grade. I used to play Yu-Gi-Oh pretty hardcore. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm that guy. Well, I was. Uh, apparently, Konami has stopped supporting the Yu-Gi-Oh franchise, so I can't be anymore. But as for uh, Pokemon, I think I understand the mechanics entirely. But like, I've never gotten into the online on a really deep level. Like, I just. I know how to play that game, and I know how everything works, like the EVs and the IVs and everything. But I've never taken that to a tournament level, nor have I uh, had the motivation to. Like, and when I play things online, like when I play uh, Grand Theft Auto Five, Grand Theft Auto Four, or the Call of Duty games, I always do it like for fun. Like I always do it because I want more to play. Like my goal has never been to be really, really good. I mean, if I am really good, that's great. 
but it's uh, I've always seen multiplayer as something to have fun with, and only something really competitive when I'm just like playing Smash Bros with my friends or something. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, I was surprised. I thought Pokemon might be your your kind of gateway drug into competitive yeah. gaming. Um, I just I had a feeling, but I guess maybe that's not the case. But yeah. Um, but I don't blame you. I don't I don't get into the Pokemon stuff either. Like I'm I'm all about just getting through the the single player game and then like catching as many Pokemon as I can. I don't mess with all this like hardcore like maxi maximizing hidden stats and all this kind of nonsense that I don't understand. So yeah, I I still treat it like a JRPG. Yeah. Uh, this next one is a, it's a little long. It's from Jared. Um, he says, hey guys, uh, there's some debate over whether and when Nintendo should call the Wii U. Uh, one of the arguments I oft hear is that, uh, should Nintendo end the Wii U's life early, say before five years, that anyone who bought it would be furious and never again buy a Nintendo console. I think you all own Wii U, so I was wondering how would you feel if Nintendo announced a PS4 Plus system, uh, for late 2015? or even late 2014, regardless of the issues involved. Do you think this would be a major issue in general? I know the Saturn Dreamcast is frequently touted as a reason not to do it, but the Dreamcast did quite well initially, despite the dreadful performance of the Saturn, Sega's financial situation, uh, the PS2, lack of EA, so on and so forth. Um, he says he wouldn't mind it if they did this. So I guess by PS4 Plus system, I think he means like a system on that, that level of like a PS4. Um... No, it wouldn't bother me. I, I, it's not like I would boycott the next system because I didn't think they gave Wii U enough of a chance. Um, I mean, if they determine that that's going to be the best course of action for getting Nintendo's home console business into a better position, then no. I mean, I'm all for it. No, I um, think if I was to play armchair analyst like everyone else in the last few months, I think they would be setting themselves up for another Wii U situation if they waited until before the generation for the other two consoles was over and announced something that's, again, an in-between system between PS4 and whatever PS5 is going to be. I think if I was Nintendo, and granted, no business experience, nothing, obviously, uh, what I would do is I would definitely ride out the Wii U until as close as possible to the other people announcing a new system, and then I would do it on their level while maintaining the Nintendo originality the Nintendo creativity, uh, the Nintendo secret sauce. Like, I think another <laughs> in-between system is just going to hurt them in the long run, even though power isn't everything. Even though power isn't everything, I think they still need to um, get go with the flow in some... Uh, they have to make it compa- comparable, and they have to make third parties want to put games on the system, or at least make it possible, make it easy. I don't know what Nintendo can do to bring third parties back, like, in the next ten years. I'm not going to say ever, because there was a time where third parties did work with Nintendo, and that was 20 years ago. Um, and it's just gotten worse and worse since then. But, like, they need to... It's it's kind of like how you hear a lot of indie developers shitting on Microsoft and how they handle them. Even if Microsoft, which it seems like they might be making these big steps in the right direction it's going to be a long time before people trust them again. Um, and with Nintendo, if they want to bring third parties back, I mean, it's not like Nintendo did anything to be like, hey, fuck you, third parties. Maybe by being, you know, expecting third parties to show up without really pushing them, you know, throwing some money around or anything, um, maybe they did offend third parties, but it's nothing malicious on Nintendo's part. Um, 
but they need to make a lot of steps in a different direction that they don't really seem to be going to um, to get third parties to come on board. I mean, the West, the West is basically outside of indie developers and download games. EA's not doing shit. Activision's doing Skylanders and and ports of other games. Ubisoft, um, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, we, we saw Watch Dogs being delayed. I don't think Ubisoft's Wii U support is uh, ever going to be at the level that it was this past fall, and even that wasn't that great. Um, I don't really see that changing anytime soon. I don't think, no matter what Nintendo does, if they if they are competing with PS4 and Xbox One on one level, it's not really going to work out for them. They they can't really handle that. That's why they're doing this quality of life bullshit. Um, that's why they're going in different directions because that's that's what they do. And uh, if they were to do something like, I don't know, release a new console in a year or two, they would be dreamcasting hardcore, and they probably wouldn't die like Sega did in a sense um, because they have way more money. But the Wii U is more comparable to the Saturn than it is to Dreamcast. And that that should be the worrying part. I think, too, you have to take into account that the Wii was able to succeed despite being such a departure from the Xbox 360 and the PS3 uh, because it was uh, a a mainstream hit. And it was very popular. I mean, I think there's this, like, kind of revisionist history where people like to pretend the Wii wasn't as, as big as it was. And I know it petered out at the end, and that's probably why, but... The Wii was on top for a long time, and so they were able to be a step behind uh, the other consoles in terms of horsepower and then just even some kind of raw features like friends list and things like this. But if the Wii U continues to not, I mean, to lag so far behind its competitors. It's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. Right, and then at that point, I don't know, Alex, you're suggesting that they, they wait out as long as they can to like PS5 and Xbox 2 or whatever goddamn thing they're going to call it. Is announced, but I don't know that they can wait that long. If that's what twenty twenty, well, I right, think it yeah, depends. Exactly. Uh, some people are suggesting. Uh, I guess a lot of people are suggesting that this is going to be shorter than uh, the seventh generation. Though there's a part of me that thinks it's actually going to stretch to ten years. I, I, I think. I, I think we'll it'll see. be twenty twenty when we would see new consoles from Microsoft and Sony. Yeah, I would, well, at the if, soonest, if I would think. If they do try to follow up the Wii U faster, if they absolutely need to get something out in 2016, 2017... It's called the Quality of Life platform. They're releasing that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, that's, they, they're uh, third-pillaring that. That means it's going to be something that, in an ideal world, that's their next system. If it fails, oh, it was our third pillar. Uh, yeah, I, I, they better Nintendo the fuck out of whatever they put out in 2017 if they're going to put something out in 2017. And they better make something with less. Well, no, 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 no. The, the quality of life thing is coming out, uh, what, fiscal year? Yeah, but it's not the only thing they're doing. It's, uh, I'm Yeah, but that, that's, that's going to be their next big push. Like, Wii U isn't, isn't going away. This is, this quality of life thing will be their third pillar, like the DS mm. was. So it might not replace the Wii U and the 3DS, but the goal is that it will catch on and then kind of replace one of them, which I would assume would be the Wii U, because that's the weak link. So you think there's a future where, video game-wise, uh, they're only doing handhelds? I, I I didn't say that. I said they'll be doing this quality-of-life platform, which we know nothing about, but I don't think Nintendo is going to go and completely issue games in every way, shape, and form. I think this, this future platform might be doing more of this health stuff, but you'll still be able to play games with it. But by replace, do you think it might actually double as a game console? Yeah. Oh, okay. 
I, I, I guess when I saw I mean, it, I mean, there's really, there's, there's so little that we know about this that sure. what it's, I'm saying is speculation, speculation, but they are, they are laying it out like it's a third pillar. And the last time they did that, it was the DS. And I, I mean, we know. kind of found out retroactively that the DS was pitched as such. So that way, if it bombed, they could be like, oh, well, that experiment failed and move on. But it, it was the reverse. So they ended up, you know, kind of phasing out the GBA and the DS took over and was a successor to the GBA. That's interesting. This becomes the console. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think, I mean, we keep on talking, and I know people say that, like, oh, they need to be competing with PS4 and Xbox One, but, I mean, we were just talking about how the Wii was so successful. Why was the Wii so successful? Because it didn't just try to be the 360 and the PS3. It did its own thing, and it worked. And I have a feeling that's what the company is going to be trying to do in the future, which is why they're doing this weird, whack-ass quality-of-life thing. I just hope they do it well. I, I do, too. Like, I, <laughs> a lot of what I said there was kind of hopeful speculation <laughs> that they don't fuck it up. Um, and I, I have enough faith in this company that when they do something fucking ballsy and crazy, it, it'll at the very least be very interesting. Um, so let's move on to the last question. Uh, this is from Pure Evil, friend of the show. We've met him a few times at, yeah, at he's been on Yeah, he's been on our, our panels. Yes. Um, he has a son who's really awesome and actually dressed up as Link. Yes. Um, so he says, hi guys, Pure Evil here. As anyone who has discussed video games with me on Twitter, uh, knows, I have a huge affection for the unloved games in series. Zelda 2 is one of my all-time favorite games, and Simon's Quest and Super Mario Bros. 2 are my favorites from their respective series. I often find myself having to defend the honor of my beloved games against Philistines who are unable to appreciate masterpieces when they play them. I was wondering if you guys have any particular unloved games that you find yourselves forced to defend. If so, how do you go about teaching people the error of their ways? Kirby's Epic Yarn. Is there? You really think there's a lot of hate for that game? One Dude, of go them back and listen on to this newscast podcast. when the fucking game came out, Scott. <laughs> I think there's an episode saying like 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 fuck Neil and Kirby's Epic Yarn. Like I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Actually, I do remember that. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my first review for the site was actually. A 7.5 review of Kirby's Epic Yarn saying how that game adds nothing to the platformer genre. I'm not I'm looking for it to add anything to the platformer genre. I just, no, I, I just think it's the game. The game is bottled up happiness, and I love it. I actually played through the first world like two or three weeks ago, um, and it still it just works real well with me, and I adore that game. Yeah. Um, and I just want to comment on Zelda 2 for a minute. Uh, I really want a remake of Zelda 2 because... I think that the mechanics of that game are really awesome. It's just that the, the shell that they're in is so rough around the edges. I mean, if you want to see those mechanics done poorly, you can play the Adventure Time game of last yeah, year. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I played the demo. That was all I needed to do. <laughs> um, Yeah, I, I have quite a few of these. I mean, I guess my first place for games of all time is uh, very general the Pokemon franchise. But if you asked me to name one game that I would call my favorite, 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 no matter whatever, I'm the guy who really, really loves GTA 4. Like, that, that is my game. That is the game that just felt right to me, had the story that felt incredible to me. Uh, it, it was my 13-year-old uh, obsession game, so obviously that's going to stick with me. But it, that game, there are a lot, a lot of people who really, really hate it and are probably justified in the grand scheme of things. But that game... Man, it is tough loving that game sometimes because of the amount of hate it gets from a lot of people on a lot of podcasts. Also, I just mentioned Pokemon. 
Pokemon Ruby is my favorite Pokemon game. I guess Emerald is the better version, but yeah, Pokemon Ruby that, that is, is the, the hated generation. One. And I know, and a lot of that, all honesty, wasn't that your first Pokemon game that you kind of grew up with? Nope, mine was uh, Red and Blue. I was oh, okay. I was there from okay. the beginning. It was just well, I guess that was the one I was playing the most through school. Again. It's uh, as some people say, eight to fifteen is when you play the best yeah, you, games I you've mean, ever played. Yeah, your 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 formative years are when you. I mean, yeah. Look at a lot of my favorite games of all time, and they came out between like ninety six and two thousand one. Like, um, and that's why, like, you know, I have a big affection for Pokemon Red and Blue because that's that's what I that's what came out when I got into Pokemon. It happened to be when the whole thing came out, but I know that for for you, Alex, is that Ruby and Sapphire was kind of that sweet spot when you were in school. Third grade, um, 2003. Yeah, yeah. for me, I think Pokemon came out when I was in fifth grade or something, and it yeah. you know, took the world by storm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, by the time Ruby and Sapphire came out, I didn't give a shit about the franchise <laughs> outside of <laughs> playing Red and Blue every now and then. I, um, I think we all have a lot of these games just by uh, the sheer fact that we, out we all grew up. Like, we all grew up, so... I think, yes, we're going to have modern examples like uh, your Kirby Epic Yarn, but I think for a lot of people, some of these games are going to exist strictly because they played it when they were at a certain age. Do you have any, Scott? I think mine, and it's it's funny that you're you're going coming at this from the stance that it's more of a nostalgia factor. Um, mine's Chrono Cross, which I only just oh, played, God. played Fuck to yeah. completion Fuck yeah. like two years ago. We did a bonus segment on it. Um, that Chrono game, Cross is the best. It's it's flawed, and I know people have issues with what it does, kind of with the the Chrono Trigger canon, and how it impacts those sort of beloved characters. But I I love that it's it's brave enough to sort of fuck with things and say, you know, okay, you want a sequel? Well, here's here's showing you that not every story has a happy ending. That they can't. That eventually stories end, and they aren't going to end happily. I mean, the only way a story ends is for characters to eventually die, right? I mean, even if it's a old age. Um, so I love I love what Chrono Cross does with the the uh, Chrono Trigger lore uh, and story, and yeah, I just think it was a gutsy the game. The music is so good. The music's amazing, and um, yeah, I just I really enjoy it. I'm not, I wouldn't say it's the best in the series. I mean, I like Chrono Trigger more, <laughs> All two but games. It, it's a game <laughs> I will defend as being it, it, worthwhile uh, as as is. I I really enjoy Chrono Cross, and it's the kind of game that I tell people to play, and I'm like, it's not really that good. But I just—it's <laughs> the best. Yeah, I wouldn't even say it's not good. Like the gameplay itself, there are interesting. The battle system's awesome. Yeah, the battle system's really interesting. Um, if anything, it more suffers now from just like trying to push the PlayStation hardware as hard yeah. as it can. Um, I remember it, I it had chugs. to play it. I had to play it on my brother's PS2 because it kept on. Uh, my PS1 was like breaking. <laughs> but for some, and it would always freeze whenever you would do the cutscene when you were going from like one world to another. So I would basically be playing and be like, oh, you need to, like, switch over to Homeworld. And I'd save the game, go over to my brother's PS2, <laughs> put it in, <laughs> do the transfer save, and then go back to playing on my PS1. That is bizarre. <laughs> yeah. And now I have it on Vita, and I don't have to worry about that crap. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that that's a good game. Um, So that that's the only one I could really think of when I read this question earlier today, so... Um, so that's it. That's all the mail. Yeah. That's everything we've been playing. That's all the mail. Um, so there you go. We got if, if you, well, well, hold on. <laughs> hold on. If you would like to send us your own listener mail, you can do that at connectivity at com. 
uh, please do. We love reading mail, and as Mike has said before, we will pretty much read everything. So we do just that. Did. Yeah, there you go. And uh, we will talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this special segment of Connectivity. Now, not necessarily special, but it's going to be fun. Uh, we're going to talk about Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze again. And um, there has been post reviews. There have been now two posts. There have been two reviews posted to the site. Sorry, I'm Dutch. <laughs> Forgive me. Um, uh, my review was an 8.5, and the other person here is Andy, who gave the 9.5. Hello, I'm back. It's been 22 episodes, but now you have to deal with me again. Sorry. Oh, you have been. Uh, you have to look it up. Now, actually, <laughs> the last episode that I did was the newscast reunion on episode 100, and I ha- haven't come back since then. It was so traumatic to talk to Nathan again that I haven't come back since. But here I am, and yes, my review of Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze was the the glowing 9.5. It, it, it seems like I. I've been lucky enough to sort of cherry-pick my reviews for the site over the past few years, and so it kind of only seems like I review games I know I'm going to like. Uh, so I've given quite a few 9s and 9.5s over the past couple of years, but uh, I I do genuinely genuinely believe them when I give them, I promise. That's only well in good spirit. So, <laughs> um, so our views were posted. Uh, we have said our words, really. I, I sent too many words, actually. <laughs> but, that's, that's, but that's besides the point. Um, so I want to hand this over to you first, Andy, because I already did like the preview and stuff. So I feel that I personally, in first instance, said enough. But I kind of want to get your thoughts first, really, if you understand what I mean. Yeah, sure. Um, I was obviously pretty blown away by the game. Um, to give a little bit of background, uh, I gave. I reviewed Donkey Kong Country Returns for the site back in 2010, and um, I loved the game. I know a lot of people didn't like the motion control. Um, I don't have any, I don't have any uh, beef with people who didn't like it. I completely understand if you didn't like the motion control in that game, but I felt that the the game was really, really well built. Motion control aside, that didn't bother me. Everything else, everything else about the game just it felt incredibly polished to me. Um, but the weird thing about Donkey Kong Country Returns was that when I finished it, when I finished reviewing it, I put it down and I, I never really went back to it. And I gave the game a 9.5. Um, and, and over the years since that review, I've, I've occasionally come across it and seen that 9.5 and thought, really? 9.5 for that game? I must have really liked it, but I don't really remember why. Um, and, you know, I, I've considered going back to it a few times. The, the the 3DS version came out, and it didn't really pique my interest. Um, and then, 
Neil asked me if I wanted to review Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, and I sort of shrugged and said, yeah, why not? I could do that. And I got the review copy um, a couple weeks ago, and I sat down to play it, and suddenly I remembered what I loved about the game. Uh, the, the way it feels, the way it plays, the motion of the character, the way you, the the way that Donkey Kong feels like an ape, like he never has in any previous Donkey Kong game, um, and and it was amazing that suddenly I I just remembered why I gave the game a nine point five in the first place, and I I can't believe I forgot how much I liked it, and. You know, I uh, I think that the the removal of the of the forced motion control was a good thing. I know some people really liked it. I, you told me, you told me Don that you um, played with the with the remote and nunchuck for Tropical Freeze, and yeah. you liked the way it feels. And I think that's totally valid. I don't think everybody hated it. I think a lot of people hated it, but I don't think everybody hated it. I even played that way just for a little bit to remind myself of how I felt, but I didn't stick with it for too long. Um, so I think with with the uh, the standard control scheme, that of course we also already got on the 3DS version. I think it's a I think it's one of the best 2D platformers I've ever played. I think, quite frankly, it puts what what they're doing with uh, with New Super Mario Brothers to shame. Th- those games oh, have yeah. felt lo- fairly sterile. Sterile. Uh, I feel that like the, the the Super Mario Brothers games have become too much of a trope. Yeah, it, it seems like those games have become really sterile, and that doesn't mean they're not fun. It just means that they all kind of feel – every level kind of feels the same to me. There's been so many levels of New Super Mario Brothers lately that they all kind of run together, um, and it's just yeah. – it, it just feels like level packs at this point. And that's and, and that was and that was what I expected from this game as well, but every level in Tropical Freeze feels like an event. It feels like a well-constructed puzzle. Um the environments feel lived in. They feel real. Everything moves as you walk by it. Every time you pound, you pound on the ground. Everything kind of um, rustles around you, and it just it makes the world feel like a world the way the Mario hasn't in a really long time. Yeah, um, I, I, I I I felt this already earlier in the year when I played Kirby Triple Deluxe from on my Japanese 3DS. You can really tell the difference between like this and Donkey Kong, be- between that and Mario. Mario has become really like the same thing all over again. Yeah. And and like with Donkey Kong and and Kirby, it really feels like they have created like living, breathing worlds. Yeah, I, I made the comment in my review, and and this may be a little bit of hyperbole, but I made the comment that you know retro has shown. A mastery of the 2D platformer. They they've shown that they can make it truly. They can make that genre truly sing. Um, and I I, I just I, I feel like it's in the momentum of the character. It's in the weight of the character. Donkey Kong feels like a like a heavy ape uh, running, and he's a little bit slippery, so you have to kind of account for that. And the way he like swings and grabs onto vines and grabs onto grassy walls and, and rolls. It just feels like a character that that lives and breathes in the world that he's in, um, and it's 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 great. And, and the levels are just constructed in a way that makes you feel like Retro absolutely has a strong grasp of what makes a good 
a good 2D platformer. And more, even more now than I was at the end of Donkey Kong Country Returns, I'm convinced that Retro's as good today at creating 2D platformers as they ever were at creating 3D Metroid games. Yeah. Um, going back to the first point and going like a parallel between the first and the second game, um, I wasn't the biggest fan of the original. Um, I will freely admit that. I mean, I, I still liked it. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't think it's a bad game. But there were parts where I felt um, it was not creative enough because it was all constrained to that island and I didn't like the ticky characters as much as some of the elements that I've encountered in Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Um, and, and that's why I think Tropical Freeze surprised me the most. That has been more living and breathing than for me the original ever was. And that's an estimate to how far Retro has come to me. Because if I didn't like the first one enough, the second one makes it up for it in every single possible way. Well, not almost, but it becomes pretty close for me. Sure. And I, I kind of feel that I still feel sad that there is not much animal characters in the game. Um, we still have Rambi and we have the the is it Quox? The I I don't remember I don't remember the other character the for the puzzle pieces. Yeah, um, not really either. But uh, th- those two are there. But I I, I kind of feel sad that those are gone. But against it, like the the underwater levels are returned, and I think that those are one of the best elements of that game. You know, I actually disagree on that. I um, I I didn't really love using the animal characters. I didn't really love the swimming stages, and I didn't really love the uh, the the rocket barrel stages so much. I really just I loved the platforming. I I, I appreciated the variety, um, but quite frankly, I was really happy when those levels were over, and I was able to go back to just running and jumping as Donkey Kong. Um, I found that to be um, a lot more fun than. Some of the some of the other things they had you do in the game. I mean, I, I I'm happy that they had swimming in the game. I liked it when it was part of a level. Like early in the game, there are some stages where you have to go underwater for just a little bit, maybe to find a secret or maybe just um, to sort of navigate through part of a stage. But the levels that were entirely water stages, I I, I didn't love a lot. Although it's worth noting that um, I didn't I didn't find out about the the, the Dixie Kong. Um, propeller swim until late in the game, so that that would have helped if I had had that earlier on. Oh yeah, it helps. But um, yeah, I, surprisingly enough, I found the, like the other level side stuff, like the barrel levels and uh, and the levels with the with the minecart and the underwater levels. Those were actually my favorite parts of the game. Like the the one you you could think that they use them very often, but they always introduce that one term idea that I really really love, and and especially with one of the st- underwater stages, there was this where you had to like avoid these octopus arms. I I was really fretting at the at the at the, at the last bit of my seat. I love that stuff. I liked the minecart levels quite a bit actually. Um... And I'm not sure if I if I could really say that about the last game in the series, but I found the minecart levels to be, I think, easily the least frustrating of the non-platforming stages. I thought the, I thought the the swimming ones were pretty frustrating, um, and I thought the rocket barrel ones were 
especially towards the end of the game, were really frustrating. But uh, the minecarts, minecart ones weren't nearly as bad uh, in terms of difficulty as they were in uh, Donkey Kong Country Returns, I think. Yeah, they were difficult, but I always find them really fair. That's a fair point to the game. Many people get, I saw a, a certain amount of group of people giving the game crap because it is hard. And I feel that is a bit of a non-argument because I, I like hard I think the game, to the game. I think the game is hard in the same way that, like, a Kirby game is hard. It's it's hard to get all of the things in the level. Um, not necessarily crazy hard to just finish the stages because when you're when you're trying to go back to find like one more puzzle piece or complete a time attack, it's not that the levels are that hard to get through most of the time. Some of the, some of them genuinely are, but mm-hmm. a lot of the time yeah. it's just trying to get that Kong letter or that puzzle piece that's out of the way that you're practically going to have to do a, an impossible jump to get. That's what makes the game difficult. It's not necessarily just the the platforming itself—it's—it's—it's it's, it's more than that. It's and the the game always puts those those uh, collectibles sort of in a spot where you can get it and you know you can get it, but you almost never do on the first try. But you still want to go out of your way to try. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, I I I love most of the levels. I found there was nearly a dot for me. Uh, but then people might be wondering why did you give it an eight point five then? <laughs> Um, 8.5 is not a bad score. No, uh, but I I, I kind of want to explain why I gave it because it's it's still something to wonder about perhaps, um, and maybe you can chime in with why you gave it an 8.5 in a minute or so. Um, but when I, I gave it an 8.5 based on like the reasons, well the factual things behind, surrounding the game because again I love the levels, um, had no problems with them. Um, but my problems mostly were with the the things surrounding it, and I, I will name them all three. Um, again, I'd, and then like I, I did miss the animal characters. Um, you can debate them if they are necessary, or not necessary. After the first one, I kind of needed it needed the second one. Um, maybe, maybe I'm maybe I'm just wanting too much, but I feel at least one enough could have. Well, uh, yeah. DKC Tropical Freeze is a game that delivers a lot, so it's not out of yeah. it's not out of the question to want it to deliver something slightly different than what it delivers. It's a game that has a lot of content, a lot of characters, so yeah, I, I don't think you're I don't think you're asking too much. Yeah, um, and then there are two things that really annoy me. And I already said this in a preview and in previous elements, but um, I want to mention this very quickly. Um, I was a bit sad that like the Wii U gamepad wasn't used very much, and I and I didn't never used off TV play. I always played with the Wii remote and nunchuck because that's my preferred option. Um, and I I hold the Wii U gamepad in the beginning, and I, I it's a game that I really want to play on the TV. Um, so I was holding the Wii U gamepad. I was looking at the blank screen. I was like, yeah, mm, that's um, that was it really. Um, I I played the game. I played the game about half and half, TV and, and off TV, um, which actually is not very representative of how I play usually. I, I play off TV a lot more often than I play on TV just because of my living situation. <clears throat> I live with, you know, a lot of family. And I don't have access to just take over the TV for video games very often. I kind of have, if, if I want to play a game on, on the TV, I kind of have to 
retreat to the basement and sequester myself away from everyone else. Um, that said, I had the opportunity to play at least half of this game on TV, and it's gorgeous. It looks great on the TV. It looks good on the gamepad, too. But I think just because just because of my love for that particular feature, um, I'm perfectly okay with the game only doing that. Um, I, I didn't... I wasn't bothered at all by their decision to just turn the gamepad screen off because, I mean, it saved battery. I, I kind of wish when you were playing other games that didn't really have any gamepad features, at least the option existed to do the same thing there. Although I will notice that the gamepad screen is blank, not off. Uh, it's still backlit, which doesn't save as much battery as it should. Yeah, and maybe that's why I'm, it's more noticeable in, in, in the end game. Sure. Where I where I feel that um, they could have at least put all the information on there and kept like the entire screen just blank. Um, sure. Uh, I, I feel that even at the most easiest of most base of level, they could have done something with it. Yeah, I mean they could have put the what you had collected on on the um, on the bottom of the screen, and I would have been okay with that as well. <clears throat> um, I think maybe because I was prepared for it, you had told me about it ahead of time. It, w- it didn't surprise me. So maybe that's why uh, I know a lot of people have have questioned, you know, why the gamepad even needs to exist when most games don't justify it. Well, well, as, well, especially NeoGAF did. Well, that's fine. NeoGAF says a lot of things that don't make any sense. Um, personally, for me, I think off TV play alone in any game that it exists in justifies the gamepad. I think the ability to to play a console game on a handheld system, even if it's not away from the, the couch, is a, is amazing. I think it's the Wii U's best feature, and I think they should hit on that in advertising. They should be they should be trying to sell the Wii U to thirty something dads who have families, because that's the kind of people who need to play console games on a little gamepad screen, not not college kids in their twenties who have their own dorm room. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 not necessarily, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I can see where you're coming from. Like, I just think it's a feature that's amazing. I think it's a feature that, quite frankly, I wish Nintendo mandated they support in every game. Find a way. I, I, I got, I, I know there are games that use both screens to good effect, and I, I respect that. Um, but I think if it's at all possible, they should mandate that off TV play be an option. There have been some games where, that where the, the the two screens haven't been that cleverly used, and off TV play should have been an option. And I'm looking at you, Lego City Undercover. <laughs> well, yeah, I I agree. Um, so then again, we go back to the discussion where Europe and Ed got blocked because they didn't say that not all games supported off TV play. Sure, sure. But that was, but that was that's a, that's a whole other discussion for another time. <laughs> Maybe that's another uh, segment. <laughs> Yeah, that's a whole segment altogether. But you know, uh, I should point out though that a reviewer on my on my, or I'm sorry, a commenter on my review specifically suggested that I might have given the score, the game, a higher score because I'm the kind of player who plays off TV often, and so things like a blank gamepad screen wouldn't bother me. Um, and you know what? There may be something to that. I, I, I think that I, I am I'm not in love with the idea of of dual screened gameplay. If, especially if it gets in the way of of an off TV experience, 
And because I played the game at least at least half of this game and a lot of a lot of other games on the gamepad only, uh, yeah, I think it's very possible that I look more favorably on a game that other people might be less thrilled about and not having any gamepad features. Um, I think I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't buy into this argument that Nintendo has to somehow justify the gamepad. I think they already have, so it doesn't bother me as much as it bothers other people. Um, and yeah, that may have colored my experience in a more positive light. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you're still completely fair and you're right to do that, but I still feel that they could have at least don't say something at the most basis of level. Um, and at least say from, yeah, we did something with the screen that's, that's totally backlit. Um, uh, the, the last thing, and I kind of want to briefly mention that kind of annoyed me, uh, were the slightly long loading times. Um, speaking of level, speaking of Lego City Undercover, <laughs> yeah, um, they they really become draining after a while because I'm the kind of player that uh, when I feel that I need to apply an item, I go back to the main menu, apply the item, and then start from level from the beginning. Uh, so I had that happen to me quite a few times where I wanted to apply something and it, it turned out into like a half a minute of waiting. You know, this is the kind of thing that usually bothers me, too, and I don't quite know why it didn't bother me in this game. Um, Lego City bugged the hell out of me for the load times, and I just, I didn't, it didn't really bug me. I, I never really felt like, you, you know, that, that annoyed feeling you get when you've been waiting just too long for something to happen on your screen? I, I never really got that, even though I agree the load times were pretty bad. Um, they didn't bug me. That's probably one of the other reasons that I gave the game a high score. Maybe it's because I was playing on a television. That's always a possibility. I don't, I don't think it matters that much. I think it's the same, the mm, same thing. Yeah, it, it it could be. I don't know. I'm really curious if the game has a different loading time on on disc versus on digital. I'm assuming you had a digital copy, right? Yeah, I had a digital copy. Yeah, me too. That you you'd think that would be faster <laughs> than a than a disc copy? I don't know. Well, it was 11 gigs, so they had a lot of room to make it more smoother. Sure. Sure. So that was the kind of things, the free things that kind of annoyed me about the game. And you know, I think those are all fair complaints. Um, none of those things bothered me uh, in the slightest, and I think that's one of the reasons our our scores differed. And that's you know that's that's fine. Um, yeah. I'm actually <laughs> this game actually has me wanting to go pick up the 3DS version of uh, DKC Returns just because I haven't played that game in in a, in a while and I'd like to play it on a handheld. That's but, uh, certainly not, that's certainly not a bad idea. I, I think the 3D in that game looks really good. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. I think I had heard that the controls were a little bit awkward. Maybe Neil told me that, but um, I would assume they're probably pretty similar to the controls in Tropical Freeze. So they're pretty uh, comparable to something like the Pro Controller or the basic level of gameplay gamepad functions. Sure, sure. Um, so did you mess around at all with the leaderboard stuff in uh, DKC Tropical Freeze? I did. I did for uh, for a few brief moments. I um, tried a few levels, um, scored a few high scores, and um, watched my video back on the on the leaderboards. See, I actually thought this was a really cool feature that I I, I knew was in the game, but I I thought it was executed really well. And part of me wonders if this sort of is an indication that this was a game, a game made by a Western developer, um, because the online component seemed a little bit more. Just a little bit more elegant than it might have in something like, say, I don't know, Smash Brothers Brawl. Yeah, but, um, but uh, did Donkey Country 
Tropical Feast is like the first game to support really those video features because apparently um, other games are going to support that in the future too. Well, so. there's a couple of there's a couple of very small um, details about the way the leaderboards are implemented that I think works pretty well. Um, for one, you can view just just your scores compared to your friends, which is which is something that Pikmin did not support. On <coughs> Pikmin, I'm almost positive you can only see your score on a, on a worldwide board, which is not very useful. Um, secondly, it loads very quickly. It's easy to get to to see where you to, to see how your scores compare, um, which means it's probably like preloaded, so it doesn't take forever for that to pop up. And thirdly, all the replays are uploaded by default, so every player on the scoreboard has a replay you can download. And so what I did is after I tried the first level in time attack mode for a few for a few times i downloaded some replays to see how other players were approaching it um and that was really helpful i gained some really good tips on how to get through the level faster i thought that was really cool and i think maybe that might have something to do with it was made by a developer from the west where this kind of gameplay is a little bit more prevalent um not that not that they can't do it over in japan but it kind of seems like western games handle internet features more smoothly most of the time <laughs> yeah it's it, it, well nintendo has said that they are implementing this for future software as well and they already announced two games that are going to support it which are nes remix 2 and uh, mario kart 8 so nes remix seems like an odd choice for this considering most of the replays will be like three seconds but well no it will be for the for the championship mode oh cool cool well that's cool what was the other one uh, Mario Kart 8. Okay, that seems like a no-brainer. Yeah. Well, that's great, because I think this is the this is the kind of um, non-active online play that has become kind of fun on other platforms, like asynchronous gameplay, where players are interacting online and competing, but not necessarily at the same time, which is, which is a type of online play that, perf- that quite frankly, I'm a lot more comfortable with because trying to arrange a play day in your mid-30s when you have a toddler is not exactly the easiest thing to do. Yeah. But, yeah, I really like those leaderboards in general. Um, I mean, it, they're not they're, – they're possibly the most elegant thing online-wise about the Wii U, and that's, uh, that's saying a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Um. Okay, guys, um, we have been talking about mostly the basic stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about a few minutes about more sporterific things. If you don't want to hear this, um, I suggest ending it here. I want to thank you for listening. This will be a bit of a separate section because we're going to talk about more specific things. But um, if, if, you're not, if you're leaving us, thank you for listening. If you're staying with us, Welcome to hell. Well, and also before you turn it off, I want to put out the call for listener mail. I'd like to hear from other people who maybe weren't super excited about this game that played it and really ended up liking it. So if you picked the game up and you had maybe not the greatest expectations, but you're really liking it, send us an email at uh, connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. Or just in general, what, what, you, what you thought of the game. We'll, we'll do some listener mail in a future episode. Okay. And we're back. And we're back. 
So, we could finally talk about everything this game has to offer. <laughs> so, I will say that I loved the art design in the fifth world specifically. I thought the juicy jungle world, like the, it, it kind of reminded me of um, areas in a Pikmin game with sort of like the, the fruit, I guess, from Pikmin 3. It's, it was really, it just looked really good. I mean, it was kind of heavily zoomed in, or maybe the fruit was just really big, which reminds me of the fruit from Pikmin 3, which is just really zoomed in. You, you but, know, you know, from that fifth world, I actually liked uh, the Rocket Barrel level actually really much. That specific one. Yeah, Because sure. it uses a, uses a very interesting camera perspective, and you're fighting this gigantic mech. <laughs> and yeah. you have to, have to, like dodge like multiple obstacles at once becomes really crazy i thought that was actually kind of tricky because it was a little difficult to see towards the end of that stage like from a perspective standpoint if you were above or below the debris that was falling on you as you played but yeah it was a lot of fun to play that stage i thought that was a blast um i really liked sort of the um the like blades that would spin around as you are, as you're progressing through the stage, there's like a lot of it's because like, the whole world is built around the idea that there are these berries, these giant berries that grow in the forest, and they're being harvested for juice. And so there's all this like it starts out as this lush forest, and the further you get into the world, the more it becomes like a like a factory almost. And it's yeah, it just was it was really really cool. I liked it a lot. And it was purple. <laughs> the whole thing was very, very purple, which I, which I kind of liked. Um, a lot of Donkey Kong Country kind of feels like it's overly yellowy and and, and green and, and blue, but this was a kind of it kind of stood out. Well, everything had its own theme, which made me very impressed. Like the, the second one was the Alps, of course, which I really liked. The, the I already talked about the Water World, which I really liked, but um, the 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 fifth and sixth one also really deserved to be there. Like the the sixth world like has also some incredible moments. I really love the stage. <clears throat> I can't remember what it's called, but it's the stage in the sixth world where you're slowly climbing the mountain in the blizzard. And it's is one that of, the, is that the silhouette level? Yes, it's one of the few silhouette levels in the game, and I thought that one was just amazing. Um, those levels are always a lot of fun, but it became it was just incredible to climb that mountain in, in, the, in the snowstorm and. I don't know. I just I liked it a lot. Uh, I mean, there were a couple of silhouette levels. You had also like the secret unlockable level in the first world. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, yeah, th- that one was absolutely my favorite because oh it was const- it was constant action going on. There is there's one puzzle piece in that first the first unlockable world, the one you were just talking about in the first world, um, the silhouette stage. There's one puzzle piece in the middle of that that I could not figure out how to get. I had the parrot, so I knew where it was at. But I couldn't figure out how to get it to show up until like, I must I must have spent a half an hour just sort of wandering back and forth in the same like screen worth of space, and then finally it clicked, and it was probably my favorite moment in the entire game. And I'm not gonna spoil what happened, but you'll know it when you get there. Yeah, it's um for me I so to give more background, uh, I went like a month ago when I got the game for the first time. Um, I just went through the stages. Uh, the second time I went through the Kong letters, um, which I got got all the unlockable levels and finally like the the Kong special stages. And um, now I, I finished the Secret World, unlocked the hard mode. Did you unlock the hard mode? Uh, no, I didn't get the hard mode unlocked actually. So uh, the only thing, the only two things I will say about it is. 
Um, uh, can I say something about it? Is that okay to you? Not fine by me. Okay. Um, so when you unlock hard mode, is that you can play individually as a partner character. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, so you don't have no need for Donkey Kong anymore. Uh, there are no health barrels. There are no more checkpoints. You just have one heart. Oh wow! But you can, pl- but you can play as Cranky, Dixie, or Diddy individually. That sounds interesting. I should. How do you unlock that? You have to finish the the secret world. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did not do that. <laughs> and after, and then I so I'm now doing that and now collecting all the the puzzle pieces. Okay. Yeah, I only got to the secret world in the first in the first area. I haven't, and I completed that, but I haven't gotten all of the other medallions yet, or whatever they're called. Yeah, it's it's it takes a little while to collect it all, really. Sure, sure. And I had, uh, in in the grand scheme of things, I had more time than you, so that makes total sense. Yep. So you still <laughs> so, 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 so still have a lot more to look forward to, really. I do, and I'm gonna keep playing it. I'm liking the game enough to not put it down right away this time. I think. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's something I can definitely say about it. I had more the intention to see this game through completion. I still want to, because I'm still going through those puzzle pieces. And I never had that feeling with the original, so that's one thing the game definitely gets right in my book. Sure, sure. Well, I think that probably about covers it. Um, I can't think of anything else I really wanted to touch on. Um, I like the game a lot, obviously. I gave it a 9.5, which is one of the higher scores out there for the game. Um uh, but I stand by it. I think it's I think it's one of the best games on the system. I think it's one of the best 2D platformers that, that they that they've made, and they've made a lot of them. Um, and I think, quite frankly, that a lot of people are going to really like it. But then I was higher on the first game than everyone else was too. So perhaps this is just a game that hits me just right. I don't know. I, I was one of the I think the one of the lower on the original, but I'm now like in the in the sweet spot. Like I see a lot of eight point fives out there. Yep, yep, yep. Um so I, I'm definitely in that sweet spot that really, really enjoys the game. What did you think of the final boss? Maybe and we don't say too much because I don't want to spoil it, but I'm just curious. I had a hard time with that final boss. Oh, I, I so with the other bosses I took me like two or three times to get it done. this one took me five times, five to six times. I think I probably um, play the final boss solid for about an hour. <laughs> it, 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 there are some tricky patterns that you have to get used to. Um, I, I will definitely give you that. Um, and that's what I like, I think, most about the boss battles. They follow, they follow this the same stage-like structure, where you have to hit them three times, and then there are three se- separate sections. But the, the patterns that they do and all the attacks that they do are just glorious. And I, uh, that's why I like like the the snow mats better than the tikis because they they are more creative when what they present. Mm-hmm. Sure, I agree. But yeah, I, I don't want to. Even if we can, I don't want to spoil too much. Though I will say, I can say a little bit because this is actually allowed in the embargo sheet. Um, I really like the owl boss. That's one of my uh, favorite bosses of the entire game. Yeah, the owl boss is great. I like I liked all the bosses. I thought all the bosses were a lot of fun. But, but that one, that one was my absolute favorite. Except maybe the 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 water boss. I didn't love the water boss, but oh well. Uh, the, 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 I, I, for me, the like what made all all boss tick so much is was like this really this frantic structure where you really have to pay attention to the owl and shoot his his um his servants back at the right exact moment. Yeah, yeah, and, that was and, fun. 
Yeah, that's that's what I that's why I like that one absolutely the most. Yeah, definitely. but but all of them all of them are pretty great. I will give you that. Yep. Well, uh, thanks for joining me, Dan. It was it was fun to talk about the game, and uh, yes. I look forward to seeing what everyone else thinks about the game. And uh, I don't know. Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze is now out for a week in Japan. I wonder what the Japanese think of the game. Yeah, I I hope everyone likes it at least half as much as I did because that's still a pretty good game. <laughs> If, if if they at least find it in my level, I'm pretty alright with that. If they find it at your level, hey, it's even great. Better That's for right. them. Yeah. Alright, thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye. Alright, and that will do it for this week's episode of Connectivity. As always, you can send us a listener mail to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. Uh, you should rate and review us on iTunes if you haven't done so. And be sure to follow us on Twitter. Go to nintendoworldreport.com and look for the Twitter sidebar on the right-hand side of the page to find all of our usernames there. We will see you next week.